0: Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 All Star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now, here's John and Tex.
1: Hey, Power Athlete Nation. This is John. I'm sitting here with Mr. Chris McQuilkin, aka Tex, and we are Power Athlete Radio, and we are coming at you with another episode of a power athlete radio where we answer questions from the hotline. So we got this little deal that we set up a while ago called the Power Athlete Hotline where you can call in and leave us questions and if they're good, we will answer them on the podcast. A lot of them have to do with strength and conditioning, performance, health, nutrition, life and the occasional truck question. That is right. And we've been on a string of text yeah, why is that? I think people are uh, not wanting... I, I like when people leave voice messages, but we do accept texts, and we have got some texts that were pretty good. Normally, we'll gravitate towards the voice ones, but occasionally when the texts are burners, man, we like to fire them up.
0: Yeah, or if their vocabulary is very select and jump out, like today's, well, they immediately move to the top of
1: the list. Yeah, well, I think a lot of times people uh, are doing the voice dictation texts, because as we're reading this, I'm like, do these people have marbles in their mouth? Like, or they just have all thumbs. But uh, I really like when the text is short, concise. All and, thumbs. And, yeah, all thumbs. And has a little bit of humor involved.
0: Like today's. So let's, let's fire it up. <laughs> Are you ready? Let's do it. Longtime lurker. First time submitter to the hotline. You know
1: what a lurker is, Tex?
0: Dude, I, I envision a, like, uh, what's the term? A peeping Tom.
1: Uh, yeah, so that term lurker... Lurch, used... lurch,
0: like in the, the family. <laughs> the, in the Adams family. The Adams family. Yeah, so a lurker is
1: usually somebody that hangs out in public restrooms, just hanging around, waiting to catch long a peep. Time. So, so, this guy, a so, uh, long-time <laughs> lurker. Yeah, so we we got some power athlete lurkers just hanging around, just hanging out, hoping to catch something. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I appreciate that he's coming out of the shadows. He's... he's uh, you know, admitting that he is a lurker and he's coming out of the shadows to ask a question. Long time lurker, first
0: time texter. Yeah. yeah. Well, this makes me think of my, one of my favorite memes. Those pictures of all these empty urinals except for one <laughs> yeah. on the far left. <laughs> and the dude walks uh, up. <laughs> that's actually happened to me at a, uh, like at, at a rest stop one
1: time. You know, there was like five of them I like lined up in the last one, you know, because I would think you either got to go first or last. I went there and this dude slid in and I always wondered if he did it just to be funny.
0: Like, but how many urinals were there? Probably five. Five? Five yeah. is a
1: lot. Yeah. Five is a lot.
0: Yeah. I just think long line base. That has got to be like a baseball game bathroom. Uh, at that point, you just
1: turn and make eye contact and with pee the guy. on his shoes? Nah, you don't turn your whole body. Just use your head. Just turn the head. Look at him. Zzz, and then don't just tuck it back
0: in. Or put it back in your pants and don't zip up. And well, just also, out. Ace Ventura, when he's, uh, he's looking at the Super Bowl rings to see w- who's got a little diamond missing. Yeah. One of the cuts is him going to a men's room. <laughs> and then like him trying to look down at a dude's Bink, hand holding his oh, ring. Oh, binkle his iron horn. And then he gets freaking <laughs> like popped. And then he's looking at the, uh, <laughs> the indention of the God, Super Bowl ring into his God forehead. damn it. That, uh, <laughs>
1: I'll tell you, Jim Carrey was on fire. In 1994, the greatest uh, movie year of uh, all time. Dude, uh, The Mask, like the physical comedy, what people forget was like that physical comedy. He did all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's pretty impressive. The Oh, man. Ace Ventura 2. It's physical. When you say physical comedy, I think of Ace Ventura 2 when he's getting shot by the darts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What does he say? He's like, seven, nine darts too much. <laughs> uh,
1: or when he uh, goes over and he punches the, the Monopoly dude and puts him on his shoulders and he's like, mm, does that whole thing, that All little of dance. All of it. It's fucking great. Uh, okay. Well, that's one line. You know, Jim Carrey was a big visualization guy. So well, Yeah, he wrote himself a check. Yeah, for $10 million. Put it in his deal. Uh, put it in his, uh, um, like wrote a date, signed it, wrote it to himself, put it in his wallet and like... Three or six months before uh, the check was, you know, was written for, like came due, he signed a deal for $10 bucks, which I always I love that story. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but I like it. I like a good story. So, what do we got? What about, about a good question? <laughs> I love it. It's an excellent transition.
0: So, let's hear what we got from our longtime lurker. Longtime lurker, first time submitter to the hotline. My kid is training, oh, he's got kids. My kid <laughs> is training at a local gym. That is pushing sports performance training. His coach told him a bigger back squat means a bigger vertical jump. The dude in the NBA can jump, but I bet they can't back squat a trisket. That's what his coach said, or is that the caller's feelings? I don't know. Um, but
1: man, I haven't heard anybody use the term trisket in a long time. Well, that dude—shit—just sp-
0: makes me think Billy
1: Madison. Dude, uh, when was the last time you had a trisket? I don't know. I mean, 1994. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I think the last time I had a trisket, I might have toasted cheese on a little piece of cheese because I was seven. Yeah. So this guy's I mean, probably well. I mean, he's old enough to have kids, and so he has kids. Or at sport performance, um, now will a bigger back squat lead to a bigger vertical jump? Theoretically, yes, but. There's a lot of other factors that go into play for having a big vertical jump similar to having speed. That's like saying, hey, will a bigger back squat m- make you faster? Maybe. Well, to a point. To a point. And the interesting thing about a vertical jump, and he makes a good um, you know, reference, is dudes in the NBA can you know, have incredible vertical jumps, and there's a good chance that they are not very strong with the back squat. So that would lead to you to believe that a back squat is not necessary for, or let's say, a big vertical jump. Is it necessary to have a big back squat for a big vertical jump? Which is no. So I think when we look at like genetic potential, um, you know, nervous system wiring, all these key factors, but there is an interesting piece that uh, gains in maximal strength and gains in high velocity strength movements influence coordination of the exercise
0: that's being trained. So. That's, that is a key, key component to end there. It, focusing on the single element. Well, But, but think about this, right? Uh,
1: a vertical jump off of two legs is some form of bilateral hip hinging. Mm-hmm. Um, increases in maximal strength and coordination should improve your vertical displacement. But there's a bunch of other key factors that we know are important for vertical jump. One is uh, reversal, Uh, another one is rigidity within tendons and ligaments and within the Achilles tendon. Uh, The ability to generate force, I mean, high motor, or um, uh, fast-twitch motor fibers. I mean, there's a bunch of key factors. But, if an individual, and you were to baseline an individual, and then increase their strength, there would be a point at which it would ceiling, and then other forms of training would have to come up, and one of those would be like uh, using store acceleration and uh-huh. plyometrics. I mean, all of Verkushansky's work on you know plyometric type movements and that ability to be able to you know maintain rigidity through the uh, you know through the movement, um, you know trunk strength, so you're not breaking like the wet noodle model, and you're basically creating and storing. Uh, you know, what is it? Mechanical tension and really just energy within the tendons
0: and the ligaments so that you can use it, use it. Yeah. The, one of my favorite tools and I do, I do still use this and it was my first power athlete blog. Wow. Uh Many, many years ago. Vertical jump performance window. Mm. How I use it. I'll explain what it is in a minute, but how I use it is to separate offense and defensive kids. So kids that are more initiating. Are you talking about like emotionally,
1: offensive and defensive?
0: No, athletic. Oh, oh okay. So okay. kids that are more inclined to initiate versus react. Because mm-hmm. if they got very poor like reaction, they're not defense gonna last very long on defense. Yeah. So we push them towards offense. And then, um, so th- it's a vertical jump performance window. There's two simple, two jumps. And meaning, I'm, dude I gotta put 40 kids through this so it's quick but two jumps the first is going to be a a how would i define this a, a static jump so imagine i'm in my athletic position ready stance so i got my butt low and then i want to explode out of that position vertically jump as high as i can so just the concentric so oh, you're starting from an isometric the, uh, yeah 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 so you're just the
1: uh isometric like hold and uh-huh. in, in a universal athletic position, and then
0: the concept just the jump. Yeah, express it. And the second jump would be a counter jump, meaning we're starting up tall. So like you're a standing. eccentric, and then you're working on reversal speed to
1: basically be able to. What is it? Um, the accentu- using the accentuation phase Amateur. stretch. Yep, stretch
0: shortening cycle to to then, to, to get vertical distance. and power up. And almost it's an eyeball because we're out in the field. But I could if I was working in within a weight room or had a vertex. Who (laughs) knows what happened to power athletes Vertec. yeah well we had one buried and
1: and then somebody broke it yeah somebody at this table but not me yeah (laughs) poor vertek we just buried it out there
0: yeah but seeing the the difference between the two and then aim get these kids to to bridge that gap from whichever is uh is more powerful within there but more expressive so the uh the article which i'll link up in the show notes Details the difference if there's a small deficit if a large deficit or just right there in the middle for most of the middle school kids That haven't yet back squatted, which is where they are So put them in a position where I can identify their natural inclination for reactive ability and expression of movement through space
1: Uh, Something that doesn't get discussed enough or a light doesn't get shined on this enough when it comes to strength training and we've talked about this in recent podcasts and it, it's always been really at the forefront of all the power athlete programs is the idea, or not necessarily the idea, the fact that coordination is one of the biggest gains that you can gain from strength training. Mm-hmm. So that wiring of intra, inter and intramuscular um, inter, inter coordination, the ability to get the body to work in concert and the, the coordination that happens from lifting weights and especially lifting heavy weights. So you think about like taking out, you know, let's say let's say you squat 500 pounds and you take 495 pounds out of the rack. And all of a sudden now I'm standing up, I'm in a good universal athletic position stance, you know, feet are slightly outside the shoulders. I have to maintain t- stability in the trunk, pull that top ab down and stabilize and show an isometric contraction to show stability. Now all of a sudden I gotta perform that movement the coordination that it takes to not only get that into position, maintain stability, and then go from an eccentric you know, accentuation phase to a concentric and do it well. The coordination that it takes to execute these movements. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I wrote an article on Talk to Me, Johnny, that had to do with me ripping on a dude about a leg press. Allow me to pull that up. Okay. Uh, in there, with the exchange that I had with the guy, because he was talking about strength being developed for performance and you know this with the leg press. And while a leg press is beneficial for putting on muscle within the legs, I don't believe that a leg press is a performance driver because there's no element of balance and coordination. You're basically just in a fixed position and pushing, which I think if you're trying to put on muscle, I think a leg press is probably more beneficial than a back squat. But when you start talking about athletic performance and coordination and all the other key factors associated with strength training, a barbell back squat is going to be by far a much better selection for performance. Do you recall the title of said article? No, I can't. I probably blocked it out. What was it? Herpes on the first date. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, the, the titles on Talk to Me, Johnny, were meant to be funny, and I remember Harry getting mad at me because they really had nothing to do with the actual content, but they were just funny things that I dropped into that whole deal.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. You got a full section breakdown and and links out to some research, research articles, meaning that uh, this dude stated that training is coordination. Training for coordination is not training for strength. That was the emailers words. So, and uh, then you made this, a guy wanted to send us a leg press
1: and I asked him why his leg press was better than what we had. And, um, you know, and then we went back on exchange, and, I, and when he made the statement that uh, coordination is not an element of strength training, that's when he got fucking level ten lambasted. So much so that he sent me several emails apologizing, not realizing that the email that it was coming from was me and not just some fucking faceless, nameless idiot. I told him he can go shove his leg press up his fucking ass, which I think was the final one. Yeah, that
0: hurt. Yeah. Um. Yes. Okay. I'll link up herpes on the first date in the show notes as well. Uh, lots of reading.
1: Uh, I'm not shitting on a leg press. Um, I think if you want to put on you know, considerable size within your quads, uh, and it's also a great way to, to go to failure. We talked about recently on a podcast, creating great amount of mechanical uh-huh. tension and going to failure. It's a safer way of going to failure than probably a barbell back squat where you might need spotting partners and whatnot. You can also hook up a bunch of band and create a bunch of band tension for accentuated negatives. Um, so I think that there's benefits. I know Louis Simmons has a couple different versions of the leg press that they use. They have a plyo swing and he's really always uh, you know, big been a big proponent of it. But when it comes down to coordination, there has to be an element of balance. You have to be able to move through space yeah. unassisted by some form. That's why uh, I would not recommend a Smith machine for squatting. Uh, for an athlete, but um, there's a ton of bodybuilders that you know set up on the Smith machine, get into a certain position that they know targets their quad in a certain way, and just fucking go and just blast through it, and those guys have impressive legs. But at the end of the day, like I've always said, uh, there wasn't a single moment within my football career where I stepped on the field and somebody before play asked me what I benched and I won. There wasn't anybody I ever stepped in there and saw how muscular dude was and all of a sudden magically won the play. So it really comes down to your ability to execute and play, and I don't think in the strength conditioning world, and maybe it does, and maybe we're just kind of stuck in this fitness genre where you know people are talking about booty blasters and a bunch of other non you know bullshit. But where it really comes down to, and I think what we put a big premium on is that
0: idea of coordination. Yeah, I'm going to build off that with the definition, power athletes' definition of athleticism, and a couple components that you've mentioned here. Do you want me to give it to you? I, I would love to, I'll, I'll pull out power athletes. Let me see.
1: The ability to seamlessly and effortlessly combine primal movement patterns through space to accomplish a known or novel task that's power athletes definition of athleticism
0: okay keywords i'm going to pull out are we'll begin with the through space so we have planes of motion combination of primal movement patterns through space the primal movement patterns would be example squat step and lunge three fundamental movement patterns that are found in all of sport all sports now combination of primal movement patterns that would be squat step and a lunge but now i squat into a lunge that's me set up on the the line for football my first step off the ball is the single step forward into the lunge position and then i need to hurdle or you know sprint off the ball so i go into a step up position so that combination of primal movement patterns fundamental movement patterns through space three planes of motion we have our sagittal plane which is forwards imagine anything I can do in a door frame then lateral frontal is the frontal plane to the step take a step to the left or the right or execute a jumping jack and then our tran our, our transverse plane my separation of shoulders and hips or moving my whole body rotating so if I'm facing forwards I open step and turn a run, turn and run 180 degrees would be an example of body moving through the transverse
1: plane. I believe it was uh, Mr. Rafael Ruiz who made the observation that the best athletes in the world can separate their upper body from mm-hmm. their lower body. And that was one of the pieces when we talked about athleticism, especially when we were teaching seminars and really just you know, generally going out there and educating people, that when you watch the world's best athletes, their ability to separate their upper body from their lower body becomes the deciding factor. Think about a receiver sprinting down the line, rotates, catches the ball, doesn't misstride, Offensive linemen, um, think about basketball, you know, with the guy be able to separate his upper body from his lower body for, you know, different movements. In midair. In midair, where you see the body going one way and the lower body going the other. I mean, hockey. I mean, all all the sports, that becomes the deciding factor. Um, You know, all things being equal, speed being the greatest determining factor of success. If we take two identical people and we make one of them faster, that person will usually be more successful. So
0: speed being a factor, but there's a ton of other factors. Yeah. And so, the we'll get speed would be in that seamless and effortless would represent coordination. So we'll get there. Well, you can't be fast without coordination.
1: But, so the ability to be able to uh, you know coordinate, you know the swing of your arms and knees and movement through space. I mean, it's like I I think the reason that I got so fucking worked up and lambasted that dude in that deal was when he came in and said that coordinate you know st- coordination has nothing to do with strength. Upon hearing that, I'm like, we built an entire program. And an entire philosophy methodology. This whole power athlete deal is built upon all these factors and coordination being paramount in them.
0: Uh huh. And the, the coordination, one of the key words for coordination is that combine. So, where you said combine primal movement patterns, combine is the coordination, the transitional strength where I take a squat to a lunge and I'm stable in case I get hit mid there. I'm able to maintain that. And how we aim for combining that transitional strength is rep maxes with the back squat lunge our fundamental primal movements and then present the opportunity for athletes to combine those primal movement patterns and gain the coordination so our individual kid here yes he's getting strong in a squat but that combine that transitional movement whether it's adding the stress of space or adding the stress of a squat to a lunge or sprinting that is the the key here so it's not only the squat it's squat through space, the hip hinge through space to a lunge and so on and so forth to the point when we get the opportunity to become seamless and effortless where we are not thinking about the squat, the, the hinge execution. We're thinking about the ball I'm jumping to and not just the ball vertical straight up, the ball clanging off the rim and going at some awkward, weird angle that we've never trained, it's impossible for us to train for. Yep. And I'm combating someone else through space, but I still have the transitional strength to move to the point of the rebound, brace for impact in air, and then land in a good universal athletic position to redirect up the court.
1: That's that also task-specific tension we yes. talk about so often. Um, and if you guys want to do something fun, um, do a little Google searching, look on YouTube, look for you know NFL monster vertical jumps. The one thing you'll notice is not only is the accentuation phase, the transition between eccentric and concentric, is extremely violent. You'll also notice the rigidity that these guys create uh, as they go jump within their trunk, their Uh torso, lower leg. And then the ability to stay rigid and then relax at the last moment. So when they're reaching and they're as rigid as possible to get as you know as far as you can. And the analogy Roth used to give was the wet noodle model. So if you take a piece of spaghetti, it's dry, and you push it, opposed from a wet piece of spaghetti where you push one end and it doesn't move because it just crumples up. Mm-hmm. So creating that rigidity, and then that task-specific tension, which is on like throwing a jab and locking it out, and then bringing it back. You know, so that task-specific tension. So they're rigid, and then all of a sudden, the ability to relax as they come down and catch in a good athletic position and not break their fucking necks. Th- there are elements of task-specific tension, rigidity, and all these other key factors that play into athleticism. Right. Um, you know the uh, the age old, and you know we get into this too where we watch people where they're like, and we yeah. had that podcast about the guy pushing out, uh-huh. you know, creating that like all that tension and not being able to move it. So you need tension. You know, the boxer doesn't hold here, and then punch this way, and then bring it back this way, right? He's loose, so it's relaxed, and then he snaps the punch out, and he creates that task-specific tension and brings it back. Same thing with sports. Same thing Uh with the vertical jump. So that coordination to be able to time it and use it in a meaningful way really is the beauty of athleticism. Yeah. And what was so interesting about athleticism, different than fitness, there are... I remember Greg Glassman made a great point where he said nobody defined fitness, which is actually a fucking lie because every sports scientist defines fitness uh, as it relates to what they're, you know, teaching or proving or discussing. Um, but the one thing which is universal about athleticism and uh, myself and, you know, the team collaborated and created this definition of athleticism the Athleticism is athleticism even though we have a definition and we created a definition so we had a framework to teach from, but at the end of the day, you can't argue with athleticism. And you know it when you see it. You can watch the world's best athletes, you can watch people run, you can see somebody take a step off of a curb and break into a run and instantly know whether or not they're athletic. You can watch people do just about anything and, you know, like, uh, um, one of my favorites is, like, you'll see a clip, especially on, like, a social media of a dude kind of, like, in a gymnastics place, and the guy looks pretty unfit, and then all of a sudden you'll see the dude break out, like, 10 back hand, uh, hands, um, handsprings and backflips, mm-hmm. and the dude moves really well through space and is extremely athletic, and so all too often we, we equate, like, the physical appearance, like, oh, that guy looks really good, he must be athletic, and unfortunately, uh, a lot of guys I played with who didn't look the part were extremely athletic. So there really becomes an interesting breakdown with it. Um, I mean, dude, we've had so many podcasts and so many discussions on, you know, athleticism and the ability to move through space and how it's trained, and if you can cheat it, how much you can train, what's genetic potential, how much can it come down? But at the end of the day, there's just a lot of factors. Right. And one of them looks like training exposure. What did the training look like? What have you done? Have you done something that's athletic? Just moving a barbell from point A to point B with your feet fixed while good at developing strength, does not develop athleticism within that
0: definition. Right. But the, the importance of that def- definition is there are trainable components yes. within there. But that if we...
1: coordination is a key factor of strength, then, and we know we can increase coordination using form of fixed bilateral hip hinging type movements, then it all comes into play. Right. So at the end of the day,
0: yes to all of it. I, the, the only, not the only, a misgiving I have about the, the, two, the two last lines here the co- coach told him bigger back squat means bigger vertical jump. They could just be coach speak to a kid, just say, hey man, I need you to back squat. Because leg day sucks. Back squatting sucks until you find a, a passion for it. The yep. second, I don't know whose line this is, if it's the coach's line or the dad's line. The dudes in the NBA can jump, but I bet they can't back squat a Trisket. The note there, your son's not going to the NBA.
1: Well, yeah, and, and who cares? Like, It's not like in the NBA whether or not they're, they're posting their back squat numbers in the program. Right. right? And a lot of those guys are, have extremely interesting anthropometrical ratios. They're super long leg, you know, different to set of torso. I mean, a lot of them probably couldn't get into what we would call as a passable back squat. But when it looks from like an open hip angle of 25, 30, 40 degrees to, full, to zero – those dudes can generate force, and they uh-huh. have the coordination for
0: it. Yeah. So the, with that note, the back squat presents your son the opportunity to close that gap between the God-gifted NBA players that don't have to train and then put him in a position to play his varsity, maybe go play some college ball, and just close that gap through. The accelerated do development. Do you
1: think this kid already has a good vertical or the fact that the coach is telling him it because he has a bad vertical and he's trying
0: to do anything he can to increase the kid's vertical? Maybe. Or maybe he's trying to get everything he can to get the kid to lift a barbell.
1: So I I remember um, at the combine, I think I verted like 20, 29, 30 inches. I think I did 29 and and some or 30 at my my personals. Um, One of the scouts made a really interesting off-the-cuff comment, which is uh, guys that vertical jump like under a certain amount, it was like 20-some, 22 inches, don't make it in the NFL. That he thought that there was a direct relationship between vertical jump and how guys are able to perform, you know. Because I, I remember like one guy got up there and jumped and it was like vertical like 19 inches, and he didn't even write the guy's fucking number down. Oh yeah. And I, like later on, he made a point. He's like, if you know if you can't vert X, you're never going to even get a chance. Now, is that universally true? No. Our scouts, uh, performance gurus, not by any means, but they're experts because they go and they look at thousands of kids and they have longevity. I've been a scout for 10 years, let's say, and I've gone out to all these colleges, uh, evaluated all these kids and seen, and then you get the opportunity to see who's a player and who's not over those years. Then all of a sudden you're like, well, every guy that verticaled over 27 inches as an offensive lineman that was over 300 pounds went on to be a pretty good uh, football player. There isn't a single dude that verticaled 19 inches that went on to go be a pretty good offensive lineman or a quarterback with speed and whatever. So I think what those guys are doing is they're looking for trends.
0: Yeah, I got two thoughts on that. First, the NBA combine. This is cool. I don't know if you ever looked at their drills. Mm-hmm. The the one that I find most fascinating is they do a standing vertical jump, just like the NFL. Don't they also do off of one leg? Uh, a Running max vert. And then the... I, I mentioned... Uh, what the hell do we call it? The strength difference. Is it a, like a run up two foot or a single foot? Uh, I'd have to watch a video, but they just categorize it as a max vert. And I saw some, some G town players train for the combine. Was it a huge discrepancy? Like is, the guys have like a 20 un- inch vertical, but then all of a sudden off the run, they're like 50. It <laughs> is unbelievable. You talk about the expression of athleticism. As soon as you give them the movement through space versus the, the stationary, it's just this difference that is off the charts, and then, like, the NBA, the coach that was preparing the dudes for the NBA, his goal was to bridge that gap between the two um, to put his boys in the best position to, like, look the part.
1: I think the, the cool thing about the NFL, um, especially getting rid of the combine, um, I think the cool part is it's putting less emphasis on the numbers and more emphasis on what the athlete or what the football player did on the field so what was crazy is we had to go do all this training which is fine all this testing but we had you know uh, four or five years or four years of you know anywhere from 10 to 12 13 games so you had 40 plus game videos uh, for them to watch to know exactly who you are is is that more important or the fact that you got 30 reps on the bench or were able to vert 30 inches At the end of the day, I'm going to vote or I'm going to draft players off of what they can do in the field. And I think that's why Bell Belichick and those guys that are really good in the drafting, you know, why he's able to pick up these, you know, late round people that go on and be rock stars like Edelman um, or Tom Brady or, you know, any of the guys that he's drafted is because he's looking at what they do on the field. Are they winners? Are they going to compete? Not just, hey, I look good in a, you know, fashion show uh, where, you
0: know, I'm I'm studying for the test. Well, we saw Matt Jones' picture. The quarterback they took, uh, yeah, here in the first round. Oh yeah, it, not good. Oh, I mean we
1: we love to party with that guy. Yeah, and and you know what's crazy is he's thinking this might be my next Tom
0: Brady. Maybe. Yeah. So the the NBA they give the athlete the freedom. The markers fifteen feet away from the Vertec, and they let you express just go be one an foot, athlete. two foot, however you want to do. Just it. get up.
1: That's awesome. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like I said, those guys get paid to make magic on the floor and to get rebounds and to do what they do. Um, the one element that I think seemed to be so important in the NBA years ago, you know, with Larry Bird and Jordan and, and all those guys, is they were all so tough. Like, uh, like Bird played through, like, back injuries and, like, back spathoms. He, and they, I yeah, mean, like a 50 or 70-pound yeah.
0: back brace. Yeah,
1: he, I mean, he, uh, Jordan, I mean, those guys were Ironmen. They never missed they played. They played through injury. Those guys were, you know, just extremely tough. Now you, now you get into a situation where we're watching the Lakers and, you know, you got LeBron, you got KD, and these guys that are just kind of prima donnas, mm-hmm. and uh, like that doesn't deter or I, I guess tint their talent by any means because they are extremely talented, good players. But I think that there should be a category, you know, in this whole deal for. You know, guys that are, you know, or warriors can go out there and bust their ass and play and, you know, Iron men in that deal. Um, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, John Stockton, um, you know, Carl Malone and those guys played. I mean, Carl Malone, I don't know if you ever read any history about him as an individual and as a human being was pretty poor. Uh, not a very good dude by any means, but went out and played the game and busted his ass and uh, those guys were all very extremely tough guys to play with. I just wonder if that element still exists
0: no uh i got thoughts on that and that i mean the uh the designated rest like i don't know if it's too much tech but the scheduled resting of the players then it prevents the team from gelling and then shit, man this quitting early on your guys not happy and then quitting on your team i'm just not a fan of that yeah
1: uh, but you also got to think lebron's not necessarily worried about his legacy you know i mean in in his mind
0: uh, you know, his legacy's already set. You know what's something ironic, John? What's that? Space Jam 2's title, A New Legacy. Mm. I think he's worried about that film, not his <sighs> personal. <laughs>
1: uh, I, yeah, I mean, um, I, I did hear, a, uh, hear an interesting argument that Tom Brady's had three Hall of Fame careers. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean that he's legitimately put together three back-to-back Hall of Fame careers, and they went through like the first seven years, and then you know went through it. And there's a guy that hasn't missed games, that's played at the highest level, super competitive. They'll probably still go out there and do it. And I think that uh, when they start talking about the greatest to ever do it, and I, I hate when people, everybody throws the term goat around so much, but the greatest of all time, I think you got to put Thanks, Tom LL Brady LL cool, Yeah. Oh Yeah, which fucking, like well, I said. Well, he is the goat for creating <laughs> the goat. Dude, he used... My favorite line in any song, "Hot Sex on a Platter."
0: <laughs>
1: that was uh, in in one of his songs. Doing it, I just love that line. He goes, "Hot Sex on a Platter," and I'm like, "God damn it! What a creative, creative genius LL Cool J is." Um, but when you start talking about the greatest to ever play, uh, I think you got to have Jordan there. You got to have Larry Bird. You got to have Magic. You got to have Tom Brady. I mean, in terms of running backs, you got uh, you know Barry Sanders and and Bo Jackson, and really just the the best to ever do the game and played it as it should be played. So I think when it comes to NFL quarterbacks, uh, I think people just throw other names out there because they don't like Tom Brady. But I think when they talk about the best to ever do the game, that guy hands down is the best.
0: Yeah. And in mindset and preparation and yeah.
1: professionalism. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of his diet stuff. And I had some guy the other day asking me about his TB12. I don't know enough about it. So I, I'm not necessarily going to comment on it, but
0: If uh, Tom's putting it out and it's worked for him, it's worked for him. How well it works for other people, I don't know. Well, yeah, we don't know that. But his commitment to it and so on and so forth, that's what I... And he married a supermodel. Like, how can you be mad at that guy? You got to look and be like, yes, good for you.
1: And a cool dude. Uh, I had more than opportunities to hang with Tom and have always had a great interaction with him and always thought he was an extremely uh, funny, classy, and just good guy to be
0: around. Yeah. And how I would transition back to our question here. Look to the, how the, the professional athletes, not their performance, but how they, how they approach, yeah. how they uh, encourage and, and have candor and push for their teammates, not immediately turning their back on them. So look for the other things. If you are going to compare your son's performance, I would say more character, professionalism, teammates, leadership, versus less trisket, less Triscuit. Last Triscuit. Uh, I had some delicious mm, Triscuit delicious. crackers in the car. Mm. Why are you sweating? I just got done watching cops. <laughs> uh,
1: well, it is June <laughs> in Texas, but it's hot. We Well, and you know what else is always hot? This hotline. The hotline is always hot. So, like I said earlier in the in this episode, if you are interested in leaving us a question, you can hit us at the hotline at 929-464-464-0. Zero. 929-ing 0. And If you are listening to this on anything that allows you to review this podcast, I want you to go and smash a five-star review. And if you leave us a funny review, our good friend Chauncey will actually read it on air. So uh, if you are consuming this anywhere that you're allowed to consume podcasts, they have a place to review it. Five-star reviews only. If you got a one-star, just leave it on the
0: hotline. You can rip on us on that piece. Yeah. Uh, we bring, only need five bring stars. Bring your best. Yeah. yeah. If you want to make fun of us, leave five stars and then take your shot.
1: Yeah. Uh, we got one guy who's kind of a dickhead um, who actually, yeah. But he left five stars? Uh, he left five stars. What was it? He called you a robot and said, my intros suck. But, and you know the best part about it? My intros were a little awkward and did suck. And now we
0: just got Callie to do them. That is also true. And Callie is way better. Well, that dude needs to work on his candor, which mm. would be a, a, a form of constructive criticism, lifting your teammates up, pointing out what they do need to work on, and elevating your expectation. A lot of negativity in that cat's life. Correct. Unfortunate, but hey,
1: we are living our best. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Power Athlete Radio.
0: Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance.